everyone. Welcome to episode 2 of Defiantly Yours, a bookish podcast. Again, this is your host, Lyra of Defiantly Deviant. And today, I I again have here with me Diane of Oops, um, I Read a Book Again. So, hi Diane, over to you. Hi Lyra, hi everyone. Okay, so for today's um, podcast, so again, um, this was not actually the podcast that I planned to um, have as my second episode but basically what happened is last night I read An Ember in the Ashes by um, Sabata here and when I finished it oh my god I have to t- I, I just felt that I had to talk about it so immediately um, I sent Diane a text message you know wanting to recommend the book to her and what do you know she already read she already read it <gasps> And she texted so late at night, and I was about to sleep, but then, because it's an ember in the ashes, I have to fangirl, I really have to, I mean, I don't know, I don't know anyone personally who has read it, so, finally, someone who understands. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, um, number one, I have to, um, talk about the hype, so... Before I read the book, I already knew that this was very hyped um, and that this was considered one of the best um, fantasy books of 2015. But oh my god, I was not prepared for how good it was. Like It was really, really, really amazing. Uh, everything about it, I loved the world building, characters, um, the romance, like the whole general plot, and um, all the little storylines here and there. Oh my god, I just love it all. <laughs> I actually read this uh, more than a year ago, before it was published. So I'm part of the hype. <laughs> and I'm actually really happy that it did not disappoint. Because at that time, the hype was really so scary. And I was so scared that I wouldn't like it. Because, you know, I'm not a fantasy reader. But then, oh my god, I love it. And I think it started my... Um, interest in starting to read fantasy followed by you know the wrath and the dawn so basically today's episode is a love letter to Sabata here and her book An Ember in the Ashes so I feel like we have so much to say because um, we were texting a lot about this last night and actually it was early in the morning as Diane have, uh, has mentioned a while ago and um, just my general um, thoughts about the book first. So, yeah, it was, it's really amazing. So, uh, I consider uh, fantasy like Diane um, a, gen- a genre before that I didn't really read that much. So, that changed with um, The Winner's Trilogy by Mary Rutkowski and um, The Rat and the Dawn. Same with Diane by um, Renee Adie. And, uh, and I really think that An Ember in the Ashes is at par with those amazing series. So, Diane, how about you? When you first um, finished uh, An Ember in the Ashes, what did you think? What were your first thoughts? Sorry, I blanked out a bit. A while. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Actually, uh, right after I finished, I, I, I borrowed an arc from a friend. And then right after I finished An Ember in the Ashes, I read it again. That's how obsessed I was with the whole world and the whole story. That I read it twice, consecutively, in one day. 
<laughs> that is insane. So let's talk about uh, the world building for a bit. So I was really impressed with how um, Saba um, wrote her world, how Saba envisioned the world of these characters because I felt like it was it's not something that I've seen before. Uh, I, I like the whole aspect of the masks. So basically, uh, just a quick run through of the plot we have here to um, what? How do I call them? Factions? Do I say factions or races? Uh, I don't want to um, say it incorrectly. I think it's more like uh, there initially initially there were uh, the scholars. Who valued education and knowledge, mm-hmm. the sciences, and basically knowledge, and then they were um, um, then this marshals an empire, a military focused empire came and basically conquered this scholar civilization. So now the scholars are slaves under the marshals. I think it's yeah. I think that summarizes it. She definitely said it better than I did. So thank you so much for that, Diane. And um, what I what I also really liked about um, the way Saba wrote this book is that it was easy to understand. I've always had a problem with fantasy being um, too convoluted, the terms being too difficult to remember the names but I did not encounter that problem while reading this book I had no problem recalling the characters or the different um, beings here in this story because we encounter a lot so there are it isn't just the humans the marshals and um, the scholars there are other things in the story that just makes it a better read all throughout. Just makes the world building so much better. I completely agree with you, Lai. So, um, what I really appreciated with An Ember in the Ashes when I first read it was, since I'm not a big fantasy reader, it actually read it actually read more like a, a historical or a contem a, a historical novel. But then. At the edge of that world that we're introduced there, you you know that there will be fae and other uh, magic or um, non yeah like the jinn uh, yeah supernatural or paranormal stuff that's going to happen like the genius. So uh, it eased me into the world slowly. So. I appreciated that because since I'm not a big fantasy reader, having all kinds of races and fae thrown into the very complex world that an ember in the ashes is already already is, uh, I think I would have given up. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so basically we love the world of an ember in the ashes and moving on to the characters. Okay, so the Anember in the Ashes is told in dual POVs of the two main characters. So that's Laia, a scholar, and um, Elias, a mask, or uh, a mask. So a mask is basically the people who protect the marshals, who protect the empire of the marshals. So now let's talk about um, Laia first. 
So I think Diane and I share the same sentiments. We really like how Laya was uh, portrayed. Basically, I also like that she wasn't this special snowflake because in fantasy, we get this a lot. This random girl who's suddenly thrown into the uh, middle of this, uh, for example, a huge war. And then, wow, she's like the only person who can win this war or who can stop this war. So that kind of gets a bit old and it's not always relatable because... I mean, I don't think there are a lot of special like snowflakes in the world. I think we're all equal and all of that. So it's nice to have Laia, who's uh, who doesn't have any special powers, who isn't who isn't exactly um, trained in combat. So uh, she even refers to herself as weak a lot in the book, though I disagree. Um, and yeah, it's really nice to uh, to connect with a character who I find is very similar to all of us. So here's Laia, um, interested, uh, trusted rather, into this very difficult situation. So she, you know, just thought, toughens up, does her very best. And I, I really admire her for it. Uh, it's so great that Laia's motivation in the whole novel is to save her brother, so her brother is a rebel, I think, right? And is or is part of the rebellion, and he was taken at, at their from their home. So everything that Laia does in the whole novel is towards the goal of saving her brother. So she started off as weak. Well, she described herself as weak, but honestly, I never saw a girl, a weak girl in Laia. She did everything she could do to save her brother. I mean, she did such astounding things like being a spy and fighting off basically everyone and being so, um, um, I don't know. Okay, okay. <laughs> I need to stop. I can't say it. Yeah, but basically I agree with what you said, Diane. So, uh, the basically the whole motivation of, um, Laia in the book to basically infiltrate this world of the marshals is yes, to save her brother. I was thinking of a term, something like she's she was intelligent, but I no, it's not the term I was looking for. It's more like a strategist. Yeah. Yeah, she was uh, maybe even a bit cunning and wily. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, and moving on to uh, the second main character, so Elias. So, Diane, you, you want to go ahead and talk about Elias first? Yeah, you're making me go ahead because you're going to spaz and squeal later, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, so Elias. Um, what I love about Elias is that he's such a principled being and that his... Uh, perspectives in the novel actually mostly involve uh, his internal conflict. He's a mask and masks are known to be brutal and follow orders by the commandant. So basically he's just a soldier. But he doesn't want to kill kill people. He, he wants to escape it all. Uh, everyone says that this is his destiny and this is his fate but he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to kill anymore and I just love how 
the conflict in Elias is about morality and his him uh, fighting the faith that uh, he was told to have. So, I mean, sure, he sounds um, handsome and he was sweet, but uh, in my uh, here for me, that's the main thing that I love about um, Elias' story arc. Go so I would, I would have to totally agree. Um, what I liked. Like you, Diane, what I like the most about Elias's um, arc for An Ember in the Ashes is his struggle um, with who he really is and who he really wants to be versus um, the struggle versus, I mean, uh, I mean, versus the things that are expected of him. So expected to like to be brutal. He's expected to kill. He's expected to put the, em the empire first. But that's tough for Elias to do since... He doesn't agree with a lot of what the Empire does and basically a lot of what the masks do. And what I also liked about um, his character arc is that somehow I have no idea about, I, I have no idea how Saba did it. But usually when I write, uh, when I read about characters who have this um, internal conflict that they experience or, the, or that they struggle through throughout the whole book, I end up kind of getting um, irritated or bored or come on, just just stop, stop whining or stop thinking, overthinking things. But with Elias, I empathize, I sympathize with him from the first second um, I read about his story. So I, I guess you can contrast it with how I feel about Clark. Clark Kent, uh, Superman, I used to always get annoyed with how... Um, he has this whole struggle between, uh, you know, man versus Krypton. Is he a man or is he, is, sorry, uh, is he um, an alien from Krypton? So that, that kind of got annoying for me. And somehow um, Elias uh, has the same story arc, but it wasn't annoying and tiresome to read. And I really think that's due to um, Saba's amazing writing. So she really um, explored the character of Elias that and that just made me love the character so much and Diane you know what the really funny thing is a while ago I woke up and the first thing I thought about was Elias and I couldn't quite figure out what I was feeling toward this character uh, and the last time I felt the same way about another male character in a in YA is Kale when I first read about Kale so but with, <laughs> but with Elias, the feelings are heightened because I kind of felt like I related more to Elias and I like his character arc more. So right now, just us oh, passing and feelings. <laughs> okay. So now, so we've all established, uh, so far, Diane and I really like um, the way the the two main characters are portrayed. And now let's talk about Helene. So Helene is another mask in training. Um, she just, uh, she's sort of, no, not sort of, she's actually Elias's most trusted um, friend. He is, uh, she is his best friend and the person he would do anything for. And I was kind, do you get, do you um, sometimes experience that feeling while reading a book that, you kind of feel like 
wait, I feel like I should hate her because she might get in the way of my ship or something like that. But I never felt that with Helene. In fact, I think I Helene is one of my favorite um, characters uh, of the book. I really liked how loyal she was and how she was willing to do anything for the people she loved. And she's actually a huge contrast to Laia. Um, Helene uh, is good in combat. Helene is good uh, in sword, uh, in wielding swords. And uh, but at the same time, I really think that, like um, Laia, she was thrust into this impossible situation that she made the best out of, and she made all these difficult decisions based on her loyalty and her love. I think I don't have anything to add to that, Lyra. I think... I am, so, I am sorry, I just kind of blabbed all about Elias. I, I, it all started with Elias. <laughs> no, it's okay because I don't know what else to say about Helene without thought, broaching the topic of our ships. So maybe let's, you know, talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and another character we have in um, the book. So it's not that main of a character and not as big of a supporting role as that of Helene. So we have Keenan. So Diane, you want to talk about Keenan first? Yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> so Keenan is Laia's handler. So the plot of the novel is actually Laia. Um, uh, serves as a mole, a spy, for the rebellion inside the Blackleaf Academy to spy on the commandant and basically on, on everyone, on the masks. So, Keenan is her handler and that, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, I can't really say um, much about Keenan because his character wasn't really um, wasn't really explored in An Ember in the Ashes, but I'm hoping that his character would have a bigger role to play in the next books. But I might be wrong as well because he seemed like such a minor character. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so since we have already uh, talked about um, the Laia, Elias, Helene, and Keenan, before we talk about the other um, characters that have a huge impact on Laia and Elias's life. I think it's about time we talk about the ships, the romance. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so I think um, when you first read the book, it's automatic that there's kind of... Um, what do you call it? So I always refer to it to it as a Team Jacob versus Team Edward thing. Uh, no, it's not a love triangle. So basically, I think you get what I mean. So there's Helene and Elias versus Alaya and um, Elias. So personally, I ship Laya and Elias just because I actually see, saw, uh, read rather, how um, the attraction started when they first met and how um, the attraction blossomed, how it slowly became trust. And yeah, so as opposed to um, Helene and uh, Elias, while it was 
And while it was successfully portrayed by Saba, just how important they are to each other, I feel like um, I'm not as connected because I was not able to see how it came about. Because once you start the book, you already know that Helene and Elias are a, this dynamic duo. But at the same time, I'm not um, so against maybe Elias ending up together with Helene. I think uh, Helene um, is also a nice, I mean, not a nice character. And I really think she also kind of deserves that ending. But at the same time, yeah, I'm team um, Laya and Elias. So, of course, I beg to differ. <laughs> so, in A Number in the Ashes, there is actually a love square. So, Elias... Um, Elias likes Laya. And since he's best friends with Helene, he feels like he can't like her that way. But he, he sees her as a girl. And then Helene obviously loves Elias for the longest time. And then here's Laya, whose who's only goal is to save her brother. And then there are two boys, aka Elias and Kenan. In the beginning, Laya liked Kenan first. Ah, oh. <laughs> liked him first. But then again, Elias is the one who's always around. So what's a girl gotta do, right? I mean, <laughs> anyway, so I'm suffering from the chronic underdog syndrome as usual. So I'm actually shipping Kenan. But in all honesty, if it doesn't, I'm I'm sure it wouldn't be endgame. Or like if Kenan ends up, if Laya ends up with Kenan, that's such a miracle. But it's okay for me, for La, to me, if Laya ends up with Elias. Because, oh my god, I like Elias. I really like him. <laughs> I'm so born that I want the rebel, which is Kenan, and the heroine, Laya, to be together. And of course, because I like best friends turn to lovers, I like, I want, I ship. Helene and Elia. So basically, it's just I'm just so stubborn to you know um, ship the more the more possible ship. <laughs> yeah. So when you say it like that, it actually does make sense. I kind of actually have this feeling that maybe there's a huge chance that yeah Helene will end up with Elias but at the same time um, I can't imagine um, him and Laya not ending up together especially since in the second book it would be basically the two of them against the world so like that's like a lot of time for them to get to know each other and you know stuff I know and I accept that I I can foresee that them spending so much time together will lead them to do some stuff. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's okay for me. I don't... It's not those kind of ships that, you know, I'm vehemently against the other guy. That I don't see what others see in the other guy. This is more like... Um, yeah, I like underdogs. <laughs> 
Yeah, and when we, when and now that I think about it, that's ki- that's actually kind of um attributed to Saba's writing because it's kind of weird. I don't hate Helene, I don't hate Keenan, and maybe I and I think I would be okay if you know the end game is suddenly Keenan and Laya, and then Elias and Helene and Diane pretty much said the same thing. So Saba kind of made us fall in love with all of these characters that. I think we're kind of more interested in their character arcs. Like, of course, the romance is important. How can it not be important? But yeah, like, do you get what I mean, Dan? I yeah, actually, I completely agree. I'm more invested in um, each character than the the, the their relationships. Like, uh, at the end of the book, Helene. Um, is facing such a difficult situation. I I want to see how how she plays that in the next book. I want to see how um, Laya continues to be a, a, a strong girl for her brother. I want to see how Elias deals with how many he has killed. I want I want to see their character grow. So that's such a big deal because usually I'm just there for the romance. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Usually, I'm one of those readers that stops reading a series or series or stops watching a TV show because my ship won't end up getting together. And the fact that Salva actually like makes me not care so much about the ship is kind of an amazing. And yeah, I'm pretty sure she's already become a favorite writer of mine. That kind of um, I will read anything you write kind of writer. I agree, me too. <laughs> so now that we've established where we stand in the whole romance, situ- a romance situation, I'd like to talk about some of the other um, supporting characters of the Ember in the Ashes that have a lot of impact in the plot and in the main storyline. So of course, we have to talk about the Commandant. So I have actually no words at how evil this woman is. Like. It's amazing how she's able to sleep at night with all that she has done and all that she plans to do. It's ridiculous. Like, she is, te- she is a terrible person. But at the same time, um, uh, Saba was able to uh, maybe peel a layer of her character. I think this was near the end of An Ember in the Ashes and kind of see why she is kind of the way she is. Yeah, but at the same time, I like really, I really don't like her and I, oh my God, she's so evil. Yes, I said evil like three times in the same um, monologue. So yeah, Diane, I think it's time for you to save me now. The commandant is a complete bitch, but I don't hate her. Actually, um, at the start, I was, I had goosebumps on how evil she was, but I never hated her because I think underneath it all, I knew that Saba will provide a reason why, why she's like that, and she did. Uh, I think uh, the best uh, thing about the characters here is that they they're not entirely bad or entirely good. They're all shades of gray. Even Elias, even Laya, everyone, everyone acts on based on their motivations. So sometimes uh, you, I, 
while he did, well while I was reading the book, I just get shocked when the bad guys uh, suddenly had this shred of humanity in them, and then the good people, the ones we're supposed to side, were were acting badly. So I think ah, uh, Sabatay is just so great. <laughs> Oh my god, yes, I love that you mentioned the whole um, Shades of Grey thing. I actually really like that in my characters, especially in fantasy, because I feel like it's in a fantasy world, it's kind of impossible not to talk about um, murder or killing um, another human, another being or whatever, because like the, the, uh, um, the stakes, there you go, the stakes are so much higher because they kind of have to protect this whole world, you know, protect this whole race, this species. So yeah, the, the, uh, the stakes are always high. And I like how Saba was able to, yeah, talk about um, how characters are maybe good and maybe bad also at the same time. So that's, again, another proof of amazing writing. She's such an amazing writer. <laughs> I feel like... Uh, I can't stop gushing about her writing and I think Diane is the same way because if you haven't um, maybe gotten it by now she is a really really amazing yeah she kicks ass at writing <gasps> okay and um, a couple of more uh, a couple of uh, other characters that I want to talk about since right now <laughs> amazingly we're at minute 29 <laughs> I am. I am. I'm always amazed at how this, these podcasts um, last really long. The length is really long. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So another character that we explore and we get to meet is um, Izzy, or Kitchen Girl. So she, basically, she becomes um, Laya's friend in Blackcliff, and another. And actually, Izzy is kind of a living proof of how maybe evil the commandant is at times so she basically punished Izzy to punish another character the cook so I don't want to talk about Izzy so much that I kind of um, spoil where um, what happens with her character during the book but basically uh, she's one of my uh, favorite minor characters. She brings a lot to the story, and I love how supportive and um, how supportive she was of Laya, and how she was willing to again do these uh, amazing things just because uh, she wanted to, you know, do more. Again, like Laya, Izzy is not a special snowflake; doesn't have powers or anything like that, but. She was able to do something because she wanted to do it. And that was amazing because I don't think we really get that much in um, fantasy, I think. So I love getting more of these characters that aren't really inherently special, but they make themselves special because of their own free will, of their own decisions. That was so eloquently said. <laughs> I know I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> okay, and um, Diane, do you have any other minor characters that you want to talk about? Not really. I mean, I read the book a year ago. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not sure. So, I, 
So I guess um, I think it's uh, I want to maybe talk about what we kind of expect in the sequel. So personally, again, I really um, like Diane mentioned earlier. I want to see the characters grow because they had all these terrible experiences in um, book one. I want to see how they deal with all of that. And at the same time, um, how they deal with the fact that they are going to be facing much more terrible things in the future. And of course, there's the whole dynamic of the love um, square or maybe <laughs> the love triangle. And, and I'm also, I also want more of Saba's writing. It just, I am completely obsessed with her writing. Uh, I love it so much. So, Diane, how about you? What are you expecting in the second book? Well, I actually want to see some Darin, Lai's brother, because I have a crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I can't resist. He, he's a scholar and he draws and he's really smart and cunning as well. Oh, I mean, the, the, the short time that I've read about him at the start of the novel, I just want more of him. So hopefully we get to see him next novel, or maybe not. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't even know. Uh, I just want more. Honestly, I can read whatever if Elias and Laia spends the whole novel in a des on the desert. I wouldn't care. I would read it all. <laughs> I get what you mean. And also, um, uh, I was doing some um, research, or I was digging through Saba's Tumblr um, a while ago, and I was pretty shocked to find out that um, basically we're not yet completely sure if we would be getting the entire series. So that will be about four books. I think she mentioned four books published. Uh, through Penguin and it's kind of a mind-blowing because it is such an amazing series that everyone has to read and I will be doing everything in my power to just you know promote it and just make sure that uh, the third and the fourth book end up getting published me too I cry if we don't get them I will Oh my god, I'm going to cry with you. <laughs> okay, so again, um, so other than those things, uh, I'm not sure if you were able to make it to minute 35, but if you have, thank you so much. So as much as possible, we tried not to spoil any big thing about... Um, the entire An Ember in the Ashes. So if you finish this podcast and go like, oh wow, I really should read this book. By all means, go ahead, please read the book. <laughs> and at the same time, if you finish this um, podcast after reading the book um, and you know you want to talk about it some more, feel free to leave us, to leave us a comment um, in the space below. That's always so awkward to say. <laughs> because right now I can't see that space uh, but you know you know what I mean uh, we'd love to hear more about what you think of an ember in the ashes and what you expect more in the sequel you can also tweet us so my twitter is at like um, at Ligel. that's L-Y-G-I-L-L um, it should be posted below as well and Diane you want to talk about your um, accounts as well uh, I tweet at at 
Oops, I read again. That's all. That's all, yeah. Hey, Lahira. <laughs> oh, so, sorry, completely blanked on that. So again, so this was a, a love letter to an ember in the ashes. And Sabata here from Lyra and Diane. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Oh, and by the way, if you have any other fantasy books that you would um, recommend um, that we try, so maybe along the same tone of An Ember in the Ashes and uh, and also The Rat in the Dawn, we, we absolutely love that as well. That would be great. I'm all uh, I, I'm in this huge fantasy binge right now. I need to read more. So yeah, so basically that's it. Thank you for listening to episode two of our podcast. We hope to, we hope that you enjoyed what we talked about. We hope you enjoyed um, how much we love the characters. And yeah, thank you guys so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye.